Chapter 12 of The Fortune Hunter, a novel of New York Society by Anna Coromawit. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Viens donc essayer les dossiers d'un passion sans orage, Madame de Waleska. Edgar Chadwick was possessed of a disposition which could not be depressed by opposition to his wishes, so long as there was a remote possibility of surmounting that opposition by his own exertions. He was naturally frank, straightforward, and incapable of disguising either his feelings or his intentions. When he found he could not obtain an interview with Aria by calling at her residence, he instantly took his way to that part of the city in which there was most likelihood of his meeting Mr. Lemming. When he found him, he explained his situation, read him a few passages from Aria's letter, and requested that he procure him an interview with her. Mr. Lemming did not seem to be surprised at his young friend's communications until he stated that he had several times been denied admittance by the order of Mrs. Lemming. The cheek of the kind old man flushed, and his eyes sparkled, but he only replied, "'It was without my knowledge. I assure you, it was without my knowledge.' "'I felt convinced that was so, sir,' returned Chadwick, "'and therefore I take the liberty of begging you, if you are so disengaged, to accompany me to the house, that I may thus gain admission, for I must see Aria this very day.' "'I fear she is immovable,' replied Mr. Lemming. "'But I will do as you desire, and at least you shall see her. "'That is all I ask, although if you could inform me of the cause of which induced her to take the sudden resolution, I should be greatly indebted to you. "'You must not question me, my dear young friend. "'I am only partially acquainted with Aria's motive, but you may feel assured—' that she is not a woman who would take such a decisive step from impulse, and that she has decided in this case after mature deliberation. I hope to prove that her decision is not unalterable, replied Edgar. The two gentlemen exchanged but few remarks until they reached the house. Mr. Lemming opened the door with a night key, ushered his companion into the parlor, and went to see Aria. Edgar, in spite of himself, was every instant becoming more agitated, but not many minutes were allowed for him to calm himself before Mr. Lemming had scarcely disappeared before Aria entered. She came forward with unfaltering steps and extended her hand with her wonted cordiality, and yet without her unwanted warmth and tenderness. The smile, too, that welcomed him had all its former sweetness but none of its former gaiety. Her cheek was paler than Edgar had ever beheld it, and betokened inward suffering. Her eyes, those soft, dark orbs, that, until now, had ever sparkled so brightly at his coming, were heavy and downcast, as though their lids were charged with unshed tears. Yet her whole countenance was serene, and her manners were perfectly calm. "'Aria, mine own Aria!' exclaimed Edgar, the instant he beheld her. "'I have come to tell you that no obstacle shall separate us, that I cannot, 
will not release you from your promise, and that I shall pardon you the wretched night you occasion to speak me, when you bid me forget you ever dealt so lightly with my happiness as to write that cruel letter. Edgar, Mr. Chadwick, faltered Aria, I had hoped that you would spare me, spare yourself this meeting. I can only repeat what I have already said, and that it is quite as painful for me to speak as you to hear. But you will not hold your resolution, dearest Aria, if you ever loved me, as you once made me too happy by saying you did, you will not trifle with me thus. You will not sacrifice my peace, my hopes, my... I am weak, Edgar. Do not try me, interrupted Aria. You can add to my grief, but you cannot shake my resolution. Your wife I can never be, never will be. I have said it. Nothing in this world can alter my determination. As she spoke these last words, there was so much firmness, even severity, in her tone, so much determination in her air, that Edgar's heart sank within him. At least you cannot refuse me an explanation. What obstacle can there be which I can find insurmountable? Do you doubt my words, or easily forget them, Edgar, as to question? Have I not told you that the obstacle was one which I could never reveal? Forgive me, my best beloved. I had not forgotten it. Nay, do not withdraw your hand. There is a time when it lay in mine untrembling. Tell me, Aria, how many days is it since the night you promised that thus, hand in hand, we would brave all life's ills together? Aria's feelings were too much harrowed by the question for her to reply. Her lover saw the advantage he had hoped to gain, and felt that this was the propitious moment. With the fever of hope, he seized the hand she had withdrawn, and said, I must know, dearest, I must. Better for you to break the vow you have made, than for you to ensure my wretchedness by keeping it. Tell me this obstacle to our union. That were impossible. Edgar, is it kind of you to thus test my firmness of purpose? The vow I have made can never be broken. You were not so scrupulous in breaking the vow which was previously made to me, returned Edgar hastily. Tears sprang into Aria's eyes when she heard the cruel reproach, but she forced them back before they were observed by Edgar. Of a sudden it occurred to him that the objection which his father had offered to the union, Aria's probable illegitimacy, might have been communicated to her and induced her to make her present resolve. It was a delicate subject on which to speak, and, if she was ignorant of the world's suspicions, he ran the great risk of wounding her, yet it was necessary for him to unravel this mystery, and the chance of paining her was only equal to that of permanently alleviating her sufferings. Dearest, he said in a low and tender tone, can you not conceive that I may be acquainted with this impediment? Does it chew through your parents? Aria could scarcely repress the shriek that was ready to burst from her lips. The agitation she evinced alarmed Edgar, while it convinced him that he was right in his surmise. He attempted to support her, but she extricated herself from his grasp and said, 
i could have borne to hear others say it i have borne it more calmly but from you from you edgar the blow comes with double violence it is no blow look up my aria i esteem it no obstacle the misfortune of yours of others shall not be a barrier to our felicity say that it shall not and since i declare that there is no obstacle to my making a pure and spotless being such as you are my wife only tell me that you consent to renew your promise whisper that one word and all will be well i do not consent i can never consent replied aria all the emotion that she had heretofore invented suddenly vanishing that i am a child of shame you know and yet you do not know all but that is sufficient the woman who you call wife must be one that you can present to the world without a blush who can mingle among your friends who can be received into the bosom of your family if she were other she must interfere with your prospects in life and the brilliancy of your career would be checked by the very hand that should promote it my resolution i once more repeat is unalterable every effort you make to shake it inflicts a new wound but one which i should bear unmoved this must be the last time that you make any attempt to influence me if i have cause to think that it will not be i must shun your presence and thus secure myself my strength is failing me, and I must leave you. Edgar, do not make yourself miserable by unfailing regrets. Be composed, be resigned. I have bowed my head to the affliction. Do you bend yours? God give you comfort. I have none to offer you. Adieu. Edgar was alone. Alone and baffled. Heart-stricken. Almost unmanned. It was not his nature to despair. Yet... What hope could he clean? I cannot give her up, he said to himself as he left the house. That is impossible. Yet what can I do? Sages are right, and our hopes are but bubbles and thistle-down. They sink softly into the heart, yet are blown away by passing breath. It may be, never, through our utmost exertions, to be recalled. End of chapter 12